Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. So here's what we're doing. We're, we're continuing in this series today called uh, Being Rich. And what we've been doing is looking at how to be rich at what matters most. And uh, we, if you have missed the last couple of weeks, let me just say this, that, that each week kind of builds upon the last week. So if you've missed them, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast, listen to the messages either through our uh, Simple Church app, or if you're an iTunes user, you can subscribe to Simple Church and get our podcast right through there. Really, really easy. But let me just kind of catch you up a little bit. And where we started the first week and what we've built upon is that there's good news and bad news about being rich. The first part of it, the good news is that we are, yeah, we're rich. You and I, we are rich. That's good news. It means God has blessed us so uh, bountifully, so wonderfully that you and I are rich. God actually loves to bless his kids and loves for us to enjoy the blessings that he gives us. And so we are rich. That's the good news, right? The bad news is also that you and I are we're rich. Yeah, that's it. The bad news is that we're rich. And it's bad news because as we begin to look at being rich, what it means to be rich, we discover that because we are rich, it's harder for us to depend on God. We have a tendency to depend on our wealth because it offers us security and things that only God can provide for us. Uh, and then, then the, the, the second problem with being rich, the bad news about it is that we're, we tend to be distracted from the, the things that are actually priorities in our lives by these rich people opportunities, travel and different things that rich people do. And it, it tends to take us away from our families, from our church, from a lot of things that should be priorities in our life. And then the, the last reason it's bad news is because, well, we realize that because we are rich, we have a greater responsibility. God expects more from us. He said, to whom much is given, much is required. And so there's this, this responsibility, this burden upon our shoulders because we are rich. Now, today what I want to do is talk about being rich in a way that you probably hadn't considered, and maybe you've not thought of it this way, but, but uh, what we're going to do is review our key verses that we've been looking at, and some of you probably have these memorized. We've talked about them every single week, but here's what we're looking at is Paul instructing Timothy on how to help the rich people, that's me and you, by the way, how to help the rich people be good at being rich in what matters most, all right? So... Uh, here it is, it's 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 18. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, who are those that are rich in this present world? Just, rest, just raise your yeah, hand, that's us. It's us, that's right. So I'm gonna say it this way. Command simple church not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, and command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. That's what we talked about last week was being generous and willing to share. And this week, I want to focus on where God's word tells us to be rich in good deeds, to do good and be rich in good deeds. Now, the odd thing is, is that the richer you are, the easier it is for you to become focused on yourself, more self-centered rather. 
Because you get more money, and what happens as soon as you get more money? You go, oh, now that I've got this money, I can do this, or I can do that. Like travel. Travel comes up as soon as you get some money, right? You get your tax return, and you're like, I can finally go see my folks, or I can go here, I can go there. I've always wanted to go to Paris. We're going, right? Or you start looking at your, at your wardrobe, and you're like, I can finally update my wardrobe. I've been wanting those LeBrons. I'm going to go get them. You know what I mean? Won't I look fly? I can't get away with saying that, can I? It's cool. Won't I look awesome? I don't know. Or you, you look at your house, and you're like, hey, can I redo the countertops, or can I change the cabinet? So we, we tend to, when we get money, to begin thinking about ourselves. And then, or we think about our kids, like, man, I would love to take my kids to Disney, right? We start focusing on ourselves. The richer we become, the more self-centered we become. We, we, we just think about ourselves. And so Paul said, this isn't how we're going to go about being rich, right? There, there's a better way to do that. Not only do we need to be generous in our giving, but we need to be rich in our good deeds and rich in helping other people. So let me ask you, how rich are you in your good deeds? Like, are you filthy, stinking rich in good deeds? Like, are you making a difference in people's lives? Or are you somebody that's middle class in good deeds? Or are you somebody that you'd say, I'm probably poor in good deeds. I've neglected the gifts that God has given me. I'm not using my talents to make a difference in anybody's life in any way, shape, or form at all. But God tells us, we look at his words, to be rich in good deeds. And it's important that we do that. So let's take a look at this statement we've been building week after week. And I'll just kind of walk through it first for you. We, we said this the first week. We said, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And this has become a statement for our lives. And as we use this for our lives, we need to make sure that our lives are in alignment with it, okay? So if you want to write it down, that'd be a blessing to you. You can keep it somewhere where you can see it. But God has blessed me. With more than I need, I'm rich. That was the first week. We decided we are blessed. The second week, we added to it and said, I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. We said this because of the verse that talks about how easy it is for us to be deceived by riches, that riches want to tell us that, that they are where security is. They promise us things. Money promises us things that only God provides. And so we said, we will not trust in our riches, but in God who richly provides. And then last week we added to this statement and said, because I have more, I will give more. And this week we're going to add to it and say, because I have more, I will give more. And this is a really long one, do more. Whew, I know that was tough. But let's read it together. Let's start, let's start it over at the beginning. Let's read it together. I'll start us off and you can follow me. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in my riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more and do more. That needs to be the statement for our lives. It needs to be the guidepost for how we get good at being rich at what matters most. And so we need to be rich in good deeds, okay? Now, if you want to combine last week's message with this week's message, let me just give you a hot little tip. One Child Matters is a great way to do that because you can be generous financially and sponsor a child. And then if you want to do more, you can go on the mission trip with us and be a blessing to those kids and to their community. I'm just saying, the opportunity is there. All right, here we go. Carry on. Just tossing it out there for you. That was free. All right, so as we talk about good deeds, there is one foundational thing that we need to all agree on before we continue moving forward. Because if we can't, we can't go any further. And it's really important that you understand this, that we are not saved by our good works, but we have been saved for good works. 
We are not saved by our good works, but we have been saved for our good works. Many of you know somebody who, who would say, well, I, I don't really believe in God, or if they do believe in God, they don't believe that Jesus was the Son of God, and they, they feel like their redemption or the way that they're going to make it into heaven in this afterlife is that I'm a good person and I do good things for people, and so my good works are going to save me. But that's so not what the Bible says. It's not what it says at all. In fact, it says that, that we are not saved by our good works, but we have been saved. God has redeemed us. God has saved us from our sins, specifically so that we can do good works in this world as well. Look at what it, what it says in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. This is the Apostle Paul, and he says that, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It's a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Basically, he's saying God made this a free gift for all of us. Because there was nothing that you and I could do to earn our way into heaven. We couldn't buy it. We couldn't earn it in any way, shape, or form. In fact, the Bible says that our righteousness or our best offering to God is like dirty rags that you keep in your garage, like in the trash, right? It's just, it's just filthy rags. That's what the Bible says about our best efforts compared to the effort of Jesus. And so he says, hey, this is not about you. You can't earn this. You can't get this anyway. So I'm going to give it to you by a free gift. That way, nobody gets to boast and say, well, I got this myself. Nobody gets to boast. He, can't, he continues on, and he says that, for we are God's handiwork. In other words, he crafted us carefully. He made us, considered how he will make us, thought about it, put some effort into us. We are his handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for what? To do good works. We're supposed to do good works, which God prepared when? In advance for us to do. So even before we said yes to Jesus, God's like, I've got gifts inside this guy. I've given him talents. I've given him a calling. They don't even know about it yet, but just wait. They're about to open up this gift I'm about to give them called salvation through Jesus Christ. And as soon as they do, they're going to discover I've got all this stuff inside of them. And I've got work ready for them to do so that they can make a difference in other people's lives. This is what God has for you. He's ready. He's waiting. In advance. He prepared all this. God loves you so much that he equipped you with everything you will need to do everything that he wants for you to do. He prepared you and made you to do a specific thing. And so he puts gifts and talents inside of you so that you can make a difference in people's lives. Now, how that plays out, I'm not really sure. Some of you, the gifts and talents that are inside of you is, is like you've always wanted to be like on the pit crew of a NASCAR, you know, car. Like that's what you want to do with your life. And you get so excited every time you see somebody on the side of the road because that means you get to pull over and help. And you're like, look, you got a flat tire? I can take care of that for you. Just hold this stopwatch. Hang on a second. And you are like the fastest at doing that ever, right? And they're like, that was really weird. Why am I holding a stopwatch again? Never mind. Just have a good day. See you later, you know? And that's you. That's your giftings. Others of you, maybe you've got a gift. When you see somebody that's sick, you make like the, a meal that is like so heaven sent. The moment they take a bite of that soup, they have instantly stepped into a whole new world and they, be, they experience healing. They're up off their bed quicker than any other kind of medication because you are so good at making a meal and loving people, right? Or maybe, maybe you just got big ears. You say, that's offensive. No, no, no. What, what I mean is maybe you just, you're just a good listener. And maybe that's the gift that God has put inside of you. And so when you find somebody who's having a rough day, your gift is to just to sit and listen and to be somebody that's just there with them, sitting in the dirt with them, to love on them through it. 
And when you see, however God has gifted you, however he has made you, when you see that opportunity that aligns with your gifting, you're like, dibs, that one's mine. That one's mine. I'll take care of that one. That one's mine. I, I remember I, I, one, of the, one of the most impactful ways that, that you can make a difference in somebody's life uh, is to help them move. <laughs> you know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, look, nobody likes to move. Nobody likes to move. They don't like to pack. They don't want to load all that stuff up in the truck. They don't want to load it into the house, and they don't want to unpack. Now, there's lots of different reasons why moving is painful. It's not just the work, but then you got to, like, ask people for help. How many, by a show of hands, like to ask people for help? Oh, there's one person in here. All right, there's one. see? That's what I'm saying. Nobody likes to ask for help, right? And then, you know, you really find out who your friends are when you do ask for help. You know what I mean? Hey, guys, I'm going to buy you pizza. If you could be at my house at 8 a.m., I'll have the truck ready. And don't nobody show up. You know what I'm saying? And you're worried about discovering how good your friends are not, right? So you don't even want to ask them to come and help you move. Like, moving is tough. It's one of the more stressful events in your life is to buy a house and to move. Or even just to, to move to another apartment. It is stressful. And so I, I met this guy, and, and uh, he was going to be a church planner, and he, and he actually is still going to do that. And I just wanted to have breakfast with him to talk about planning a church, because that's something that's relevant to me. I like to talk about that. And he tells me, you know, what's going on in his life, and he's like, yeah, I'm moving this week. And, uh, and, and I love to find out when people are moving, because for you to offer to help somebody move, well, that's really nice. You get lots of points for offering to help somebody move, especially somebody you've just met. Right, so I always offer, and sometimes I'm like, please say no, please say no, please say no, please say no, please say no. <laughs> I'm just being honest. But I'll offer because I know this is one of the most impactful ways to serve somebody. I want to be rich in good deeds. And so I, I, asked, I asked him, I was like, hey, do you need some help moving? And he just looked at me, he said, I just met you, and you want to come help me move? And I said, yeah, bro, do you need help? And he was like, absolutely. And I was like, awesome, dang it. But, you know, so my boys and I went, and we helped them move. But, I mean, like, look, this is one of the greatest ways to be a blessing to somebody, to be rich in good deeds. I offer all the time. But, look, I, I really do enjoy being a blessing to people, so don't think if you're moving that you can't ask me for help. I will, I will help you. I love to help. But, the, but, but this guy was so blessed. I showed up, and his wife was like, you only just met him. What is he doing here? So we're just here to be a blessing to you. We just love you. God's been a blessing to us. We just want to be here and be a blessing to you. I love those opportunities. We need to be rich like that in good deeds, blessing people not only that we know, but people that we don't even know. Because moving somebody, dibs, that one's mine. I can do that. There's not a lot of things I can do, but I can do that one. I can do that. I can lift boxes. I can rope my boys into it and, and reward them with Chipotle or Starbucks, and they're just fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can do that. I reward myself as well with that. But anyway... So as we consider our good deeds, there are a couple principles about them that we need to understand and keep in mind, because not only are we to give more as rich people, but we are going to do more as rich people. And as we do more, we need to understand that my good deeds should point to God, not me. My good deeds should point to God, not me. If you're taking notes, that's an important one. You need to understand that your good deeds should not point to you. The point of doing something good for somebody is not for them to give you a high five and say, aren't you a wonderful person? Take a picture of you and post it on Facebook. Like that is not the point of you doing a good deed. The point of you doing something good in response to the love that God has given you and how he's demonstrated it for you is to point them back to God and say, look, God's just been so good to me that I just want to love you and I just want to serve you. 
See, that's what we call around here being the shiny. We talk about living our lives in such a way that people will take note and go, what is different about you? So, well, we just, we live biblically based. We parent biblically. Our, our marriage relationship is biblically based. The way that we live our lives, the way we handle our finances, the way that we raise our kids, the way, the way that we do everything that we do is biblically based. And so God, God's just been a blessing to us. And when people see that, they go, tell me more about that. When they see your good deeds. In fact, look at what the scripture says. Jesus says this uh, in Matthew 5, 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Who is he talking to? So he's talking to me. He's talking to me. I am the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A town built on a city, or I'm sorry, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That doesn't make any sense, does it? You never light a, a lamp and put it underneath something that covers it and blacks it out. What's the point of even lighting it in the first place? And so you don't do that. Jesus says you don't do that. Instead, you put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, not so that they'll hear you tell them that they need Jesus. You don't do good works so that you can tell them they need Jesus. Watch what he says next. He doesn't say so that they hear you preach. He says that they may see with their eyes. It's something they can see or have seen you do, that they see your good deeds and not say you're a great person, thanks for coming today and doing that. No, no, no. So that they see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, give a big old high five to God. See, that's awesome. This is what we call being the shiny. It is the good deeds that you do. It is the life that you live outwardly that people see and turn and glorify God. Your actions are a declaration of the goodness of God in this world. Hello? In fact, St. Francis said it this way. He said, preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. Preach Jesus, and if necessary, use words. That means you live your life in such a way that your life preaches Jesus. That you say, look what God has done for me. He has changed my life so much that I live a life in response to that love that demonstrates to you the goodness of God in this earth. So you see him clearly. Isn't that powerful? Preach Jesus, and if necessary, you use words. Your actions may be the only sermon that people hear ever. So that's the exact reason why Simple Church goes out and partners with the city and we serve the city. We go out and we gain influence and favor with the city because we serve. And when they say, thank you, Simple Church, we just simply say back, God has blessed us. and That's why we're here to serve. We just want to be a blessing to you. God's been so good to us. We just want to bless you back. That's why we do that. And that's why people see us at all the community events that we're a part of. And they come here and they give their lives to Jesus because they saw our good deeds. And they glorify God. And when they do... We, we say, listen, it isn't because of who we are. It isn't because we're awesome, although we are, I'm just saying. But I'm saying as a group, not me. We together are awesome. But it isn't because we are awesome that we're here to serve. We're here because God's made a difference in our lives. It's because of who Jesus is and what he did, not because of who we are and what we're doing, that we've come out to be a blessing to you. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. God has equipped us and prepared us to do good deeds, and our good deeds have to always point to God, not us. 
Second principle about our good deeds is that our good deeds must help others in the way they need it, not in the way that I want to give it. Now, this may seem like common sense. It may seem like, that, well, that makes sense, duh. Like we need to help them in the way they need it, not in the way that we want to give it. But too often times you'll see this happen. Here's, an odd, here's odd examples, okay? Just so you can wrap your head around what this means. Somebody's house burns down. And you show up and say, listen, brother, God just laid it on my heart. I'd like to clean your car today. Can I wash it for you? Just right here in your driveway. Where's your hose? Right? You're not serving them in the way that they need. You're serving in the way that you want to help them. Or maybe you find out that somebody in your grow group has lost their job and they're having difficulty putting groceries on the table. And you say, listen, bro, I want to help you out. I've got this old couch in my garage. If you just want to come by and pick it up, I think that would be a great help to you. Just let me know when you want to come. Thanks. Bye. That, that's not being helpful in the way that they need it. That's, being, that's, that's you doing action. That's you doing something. Yes, you gave them something, but you, you didn't help them in the way that they needed it most. But this is how, so often how we give. And we need to help them people in the way they need it not the way we want to give. And Jesus did this. In Acts 10, 38, it says this. Then Jesus went around doing good. You see, yeah, all the, the good things he was doing was healing people. Uh-uh. Read the verse. Doing good and healing. Doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus helped people the way that they need it. He didn't walk up on blind Bartimaeus and go, hey, blind Bartimaeus, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the lake, I'm going to wave my hand, and a fish is going to come up out the water with a coin in it, and I'm going to give that to you. Have fun. He didn't do that. Although Jesus did do that miracle, he did not do that for blind Bartimaeus. He gave blind Bartimaeus his sight back. That's what he needed most. Jesus didn't come up to the lame guy, the guy who couldn't walk, and said, listen, dude, I'm going to turn this water into wine. Go ahead and drink that. You're going to be buzzing, buddy, here in a little bit, and you're going to forget that you can't walk until that stuff wears off, okay? Have fun with that. Though Jesus did this miracle, he did not do it for the lame man. What did he do? He healed the lame man. He met him at his point of need. And he healed him. This is how we have to do it. I tell a story often about some Indian missionaries. In fact, I know I've told this story 1,244 times. Actually, after first service this morning, it's 1,245 times. I know that because I also tell the story in a YouTube video clip, and I looked this morning, and that's how many times it had been played. So I tell this story often. And it's about some Indian missionaries. There were two groups of missionaries that went into India. One group went in and said, listen, we've got Jesus' health and education. They blew in, they blew up, and they blew out. And some people gave their lives to Jesus. It was great. They were able to say how many people that they had helped with health care, how many people had said yes to Jesus, how many people now have an education. But there was another set of missionaries that went in, and they went to a particular village, said, we have Jesus' health, education, but can we ask you, what is it you need? What do you need? And the leaders of that village said, you know what we need? All of those things, but what we need most is a mailbox. See, in India, in order to have a mailbox means that you have an identification. You are put on the map. And to have a mailbox meant that you were recognized by the government and had access to other government opportunities, other resources and funding from the government. And they said, what we need the most is an identity. And so those missionaries came in. They gave Jesus health care and education. But they spent two years in that village to go through the, the process of getting a mailbox. 
And when they got the mailbox, the whole entire village celebrated, and those missionaries didn't win a few people to Jesus. They won the entire village. Because when you meet people at their point of need, it is the most impactful thing you can do. Now, we have to be careful as we're helping people, as we get rich in our good deeds, because we need to be able to help without hurting people. We need to offer a hand up and not a hand out, because a hand out can be damaging. It can be hurtful. You say, how so? Well, consider this time of year. It's Christmas, right? We like to give gifts to people, and we like to find families that can't afford those gifts and to bless them, be a blessing to them, right? Well, here's, there's two ways you can go about it. If you were to show up to that family's house with extravagant gifts and give them to the children, one of the first dangers is giving them something that they could not afford to maintain or continue to use, like giving a child an iPhone when they, the family couldn't afford the data package to pay for it every month. You don't want to do that. Or, and you don't want to give the, kid, the, the gifts directly to the kids because here's what happens. Dad is sitting over there in the corner watching you be the hero as you give gifts to this family, to these kids. Yes, you've been a blessing to them, but you've forgotten there are two needs represented in that household. The father who feels like a failure is beginning to be resented by his kids who could not provide for them. And here you stand as a hero. The better way to give without Hurting, the way to give the hand up instead of the hand out is to give those same gifts secretly to the family, to the parents, so that they can give to their kids. So that way the father looks like a hero and the kids are blessed for Christmas. See, there's, 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 we have to consider how we're to give. We need to be careful. As we're going to be rich in good deeds, we need to be rich in a way that gives people a hand up and not a handout so that we aren't hurting them. And when we do, they will glorify God. They will glorify God. Not only are we going to do that, but we need to do what's called going the extra mile. How many of y'all have heard of going the extra mile? You heard this before? Yeah, we all know what going the extra mile is. It's like giving 200% or 110%. It's going extra. It's above and beyond. We go the extra mile. We have businesses that award people for going the extra mile in customer service and Extra mile awards. Well, bet you didn't know that that whole extra mile thing comes straight from the Bible. In fact, it's Jesus. So as we become rich in good deeds, and as we help them in ways that they need, not the ways that we want to help them, we need to also make sure we go the extra mile. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Here's the context of that verse. Bet you never knew this. I didn't. That in Jesus' time, the Roman Empire was, over, was, was reigning over the, the Jewish people, over Israel, and a Roman soldier could come up to you at any point in time, no matter who you were, and force you to carry their equipment for one mile. If they asked you to do it, you were under law and you had to do it. And so Jesus is saying, if anybody forces you to carry their stuff or to go with them a mile, you go with them one more. See, a Roman mile was a thousand steps, so Jesus is saying, when you finish walking those thousand steps, you look at him and say, I'm going to go another thousand with you. Why? Because you serve me, because you are one of mine. You will go the extra mile. So as we serve people in ways that matter most, if we're bringing somebody a meal because their family is hurting or maybe they've lost a loved one or there's somebody hospitalized and you're bringing them a meal, don't just bring them the food. Bring them the plates and the utensils and the cups, the paper cups at that, so that when they're finished, they can just throw everything away. There's no dishes to do. Or maybe if you're babysitting, right, your one job is to make sure the kids don't die and that they get in bed before they get home, right? 
Well, do that job, but go the extra mile. And while you're there in their house, clean their kitchen, clean their house, do their dishes for them, be a blessing, go the extra mile. And when we do this, man, serving people this way makes a huge impact on their lives. So our good deeds need to point to God, not us. We need to help people in ways that that they need it, not how we want to give it. And the last principle is this, and and let me just say this, today is Baptism Sunday. If you're getting baptized today, I know there are a few of you here, go ahead and get up now. Ryan is standing in the back of the room, and he will take you to your next steps for that. But as we prepare for that, we'll do baptisms here at the end of service. But the third principle is this, here we go. My good deeds will glorify God through his church. My good deeds will glorify God through his church. The author of Hebrews said this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. What is this saying? What is this saying? It's saying that our good deeds need to glorify God through our church. He says, let us consider how we can spur one another on. What does that mean? Well, what it means is, I, I don't know if you, any of you work out in a gym, but I do, and I work out with a guy named Greg, and when I'm struggling to go, and he's like, come on, give me one more. Now, he's a liar, because as soon as I give him one more, he's going to ask me for another one. You know what I'm saying? Come on, just give me one more. Come on, Aaron, you can do it. And I do it. And he'd go, all right, come on, one more. Jerk. Anyway, so he was here first service. I called him a jerk to his face. He knows it. I love him, though. I'm thankful for him. But he spurs me on. So it says, hey, we're supposed to spur each other on. We're supposed to consider, which means think about. It means carefully think about, make a plan on how we can egg each other on to do more good works and to love each other. Who's the each other he's talking about? Well, it makes it really clear. It says in not giving up meeting together, he's talking to the Christians of the day. They would skip church, in other words. They would skip going to grow groups. They would just totally make a habit of it. Now, I'm not talking about missing occasionally. I mean, make a habit of missing church altogether, and they would miss out on an opportunity to be together. He's saying, hey, when you come together, spur each other on to good works, to love each other, to serve one another, to be a blessing to one another. Don't miss out on this chance. And so when we are rich in good deeds, we learn to make a difference not only in the world, but here in the church and in other people's lives. When we do this, you understand that making a difference in other people's lives is part of the spiritual journey that God has for every single one of you. If you don't know what God's spiritual journey is for every single one of you, no matter what your life journey looks like, it's this. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. The second thing he wants for you is to find freedom. The third thing is for you to discover your purpose. He has made you a certain and specific way. He has given you gifts and talents. He's put them inside of you so that you can use them to make a difference in his church and in the world. And when you begin to make a difference in other people's lives, like this verse is talking about, you discover what Jesus said I came to give you, which is a full and a fulfilled life. If you don't believe me, ask the people who serve here in this church. Ask them about the life that they live, and they will describe it two ways, full and fulfilled. Because they've discovered that God has gifted them, made them uniquely in a way to make a difference in people's lives. And so if you are part of our church family, we are glad that you're here, but some of you come and you aren't doing anything. You aren't serving in any way, shape, or form. If you don't know what God's purpose and plan for your life is, we have something called growth track that you can take. It's during second service. It's happening right now. 
There are four steps that you need to go through. That's four Sundays. The first step is on the first Sunday. Second step is on the second Sunday of the month. Third step, it's on the third Sunday of the month. And the fourth step is on the fourth Sunday of the month. You can jump in at any step you want to. Today is step two happening. Next week is step three. You say, Aaron, well, I can't stay for two services. Fine. Skip church and just go to growth track. It's in the, in the conference room. I'm happy to have you do that for four Sundays because what's going to happen is you discover God's plan and his purpose for your life and everything changes. And you have an opportunity to connect with, with operating in those gifts and making a difference in people's lives. I want that for you. God wants that for you. And so as we consider our good deeds, we need to understand that we need to make a difference here in God's church. We need to glorify God through his church. If you're here today and you're part of our church, God has something for you to do that he specifically gifted you to do, whether it's greet people as they walk in, play in this band, run the sound, the sound or the, the lights, or work in kids' ministry, or pour coffee for people. Or maybe it's to come in during the week, as some people do, and they clean the church. Or maybe you've got an administration gift that you can help us with, with our scheduling needs and, and the odds and ends that we have around the office. If God has gifted you and geared you that way, you need to be using those gifts to make a difference so you never understand what it's like to have a full and fulfilled life. Let me just brag on a few of, of our church members that are, I would say, are rich in good deeds. Now, I would love to go through our entire dream team list, list every single person that serves in this church because not only are they serving right now and serving throughout the week, they're faithful. From our pastors to our directors and our team leads and just and, and our servant leaders, they're wonderful. We love them. Let me, let me call out a few. I've only got time for a few. First, let me tell you about Sean Montgomery and Ron McBride. Let me tell you about these two guys. I was having breakfast with these two guys, and I said, dude, my car's making a weird noise, and I know that they love cars. I said, do you, you think you know what it is? I said, I just need to know where to take it, because I don't have a good auto mechanic, and they, they listened to it and said, well, we can fix that for you. And I said, no, you don't need to do that. They said, why not? We know how. I took it to a shop. It was going to cost me almost $4,000 to get my car fixed. And Sean and Ron said, no way. You bring it over here, we'll put it up, and we'll take care of it. And they did. And I said, guys, you don't have to do this. I can take it to a shop. And they said, are we not the body of Christ? And are we not supposed to bless each other and love each other? And I said, amen. You can go ahead and do that then. Just go on with your bad selves. Seriously. And Sean and Ron were such a blessing to me. They began to spur each other on, and they said, well, we did this for Pastor Aaron, but we could do this for other people. They've gone on to fix brake lines. In fact, what they've done now is they've spurred a whole movement here that, that when it's nice outside, they'll post up on a Saturday morning, hey, we're going to be changing brakes in the back of the church. If anybody wants to pull behind there, we'll change your brakes. They don't care who you are. Do you know what changing brake, pass, brake pads cost? It's like a stupid amount of money. It'll cost you like four or $500 to get all, to, just to get like your front ones done, right? It's $800. Is, am I telling the truth here? It's like $800 to get the whole thing done. And they're like, hey, we'll just do it for free. You can buy the brake pads and it's like $50. Hello? This is Sean and Ron. Let me, let me tell you about, about Misty. Misty's our bass player. Misty's sitting right here. Say hi, Misty, just like there. There's Misty. Misty, not only does she play bass for us, and not only is she involved in social media, you see the cool graphics and the tweaks that go out throughout the week, she handles that for us. But Misty, on her own time, earlier this year, she was spurred on, she was encouraged to do good. And she said, I'm gonna figure out how I can do this at my job and get them on board. So Misty stepped outside of her comfort zone, went to her boss and said, what can we do? 
And they, they discovered something called dead product. It's a product that cannot be sold. It will not be sold. She works for Wasserstrom. And they, they specialize in kitchen, uh, kitchen goods, uh, home, home goods, like uh, not food, but um, utensils, equipment. She gets this list now. Whatever's on the dead product list, she gets and she donates to an organization right here in Reynoldsburg called Joseph's Coat. Joseph's Coat allows you to come there and shop once a month for clothing, coats, shoes. They even got underwear there. I guess when you need underwear, you got to have underwear, right? But they've got kitchen utensils, microwaves, furniture, bedding. It's all free for you to go there and get it. Free. And then Misty said, you know what? There's more. I can get more than the dead product. And then she convinced some of her vendors that they buy stuff from to donate new product. And now Misty takes that and gives it to Joseph's coach. She's been doing that since the beginning of the year and was just awarded some kind of award that from her boss, from Wasserstrom, one person a year gets it. She was awarded for embodying, I, what are the words here? Embodying the spirit of Wasserstrom? Yeah, okay, those are good words. She's just like, yeah, that's fine. She was just given an award for this. Or, or maybe we'll talk about our men's group. Our men's group here that, that meets on Saturday mornings, I know that I can reach out to these guys anytime and they will spur each other on to good works. They, we put together a, a whole park. The city of Reynoldsburg called us and said, we got, a, we got new playground equipment. Come on, let's go put that together. We all went and we did it. The men's group did it. And then in fact, I, I had a fire inspection here and you guys probably wouldn't notice this, but that exit sign right back there used to hang right there. And the fire department wanted it moved back there. Well, Aaron don't know how to do that. And to have somebody do that, it costs a lot of money for an electrician. One of our guys is an electrician. He said, guys, let's go do this. So yesterday I had five of them here replacing all the batteries and doing a bunch of electrical work here yesterday. Y'all don't know that that's going on, but that's our men's group. They're like, let's do it. They're spurring each other on to good deeds. They're rich in these things. They didn't care. Their wives were calling like, when are you guys coming home? They're like, don't know, babe. Not really sure. We were having so much fun. It was a party. I called it a party. We were having a great time just loving each other as we worked. What about Kate? Kate Cordova earlier this year said, God has laid on my heart a passion for those that are homeless in our community. Kate takes her own time and goes out and loves on these people in our community that are homeless. And she even spurred us on as a church to do a drive for products that the homeless people need in our community and we gathered them and she now has bags that she can be a blessing to people in our homeless community what about Jason? Jason's over our production team, everything that happens here on a Sunday as far as lights and projection, all of it, that's Jason and every Thursday that Jason's available he goes and serves at the Heart Food Pantry right next door loving on people, serving those people that are in need but guys, this is what it looks like when we are rich in good deeds. These are just a few people that I want to brag on. And let me say this. I'm not anti-government, but I do not believe that the government is the best equipped organization to meet the needs of the people today. The church is. You are. You are the best equipped person to meet the needs of the people in the world today. It is you. Because you are armed with all the gifts and the talent that God has given you to make a difference in people's lives. It's you. You are God's plan. 
And you know what happens when we learn to be rich in good deeds? We become what the early church was. And let me tell you about the early church real quick as I close. When the early church saw themselves as rich, Acts 4.33 describes them this way. It says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. This is what happens when we are rich in good deeds. And that's the type of church we're going to be. We're going to be people who say, God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. And that we'll not trust in our riches, but in him who richly provides. Because we have more, we will give more and do more. This is the kind of church we need to be. And this is how we become rich, what matters most. Let's pray. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I thank you for your work in our hearts and our lives. I pray, God, that you would just spur us on to good works today. Father, that we would be challenged no matter where we lie at on this scale of rich in good deeds or poor in good deeds to consider, to take to heart how we can love more, how we can serve more so that we can be rich at what matters most, God. Lord, reveal in us our gifts. Show us how we are to make a difference in other people's lives. Give us that full and fulfilled life that comes from being rich in good deeds and serving others. Now, as I continue to pray today, I want to just, just say, you know, there are people in this room that, that maybe you've been living your life and you're like, man, the way that I'm getting to heaven, the way my plan is to be rich in good deeds. But the Bible says that you're not saved by your works, by what you do. You're saved by grace through faith. What does that mean? It means that you confess your belief in Jesus, that he's the son of God. It's a free gift. You don't have to do anything except confess that and learn to follow him. Commit to being a Christ follower. That means doing things his ways. Because see, when we do things that are opposite of God's ways, the Bible calls that sin. And the Bible says that all of us have sinned. So don't think that I'm up here better than you or that anybody in a seat next to you is better than you. All of us are sinners. So let's level that playing field. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the payment and or the penalty of sin is eternal death. It's eternal separation from God in a place called hell. You don't have to go to hell. Hell is reserved for people that insist on paying for their sins themselves. The good news is, is that God sent his son Jesus to live a perfect and sinless life, to pay the penalty of our sins. He's the only one who could. And that when we confess that, when we believe that, and begin to live our lives for him, the Bible says then we have salvation. This is a free gift that God has given us that cost him so much. And today, if you want to receive that free gift, it starts with a prayer. It's just a conversation with God. And if you don't know how to have that conversation, I'm going to have it. I'm going to pray the prayer, and you can just repeat the words after me. It's simple. I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around, but right now, if you would say, Aaron, I want to give my life to God. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you, would you just put your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I want to make that commitment today. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? So that's me. Yeah, thank you. 
I'm going to pray the prayer, and if you're watching by Periscope or listening through podcast, just know that I believe God will meet you right where you're at if you pray this prayer with us. You can say it out loud or pray it in your heart, but you just need to mean it. Say these words, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you came to this earth, lived a perfect and sinless life. You died upon that cross and rose again three days later. You did all this to show me how much you love me. Thank you, Jesus. Give me the life that you promised me in exchange for mine. Be Lord of my life now. Show me how to live for you, and I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.